Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. of the Roto-Road Football Podcast. As you know, the most important podcast in the known universe. My name is Josh Norris. I have a few notes before we get to the meat of this sandwich. Uh, one, I will be at the Senior Bowl this upcoming week. That is in Mobile, Alabama. I just returned from the Shrine Game, the East-West Shrine Game, which is in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, I will have a review up on that. I've had some content, including a conversation I had with the director of college scouting. So check out that over at rotorworld.com. But also next week, again, I'll be tweeting and posting and doing all that cool stuff at the Senior Bowl. It's a really, really stacked roster. I'm excited to get into all this draft stuff. And hopefully you are as well and you support it uh, because I enjoy it. Um, okay, that's all I have. Uh, and now I welcome in the sole guest of this very podcast by popular demand i just can't tell you pat how many postcards i get each and every week saying no i only want roto pat on the podcast it's a pat podcast <laughs> so i am responding to all of those postcards by saying hello patrick darty how are you <clears throat> no evans allowed is what you're saying basically this is, this is a what what is the thing from the little rascals the the whatever whatever club uh well i was thinking it's then the Simpsons, there's the No Homers Club. Okay. Maybe they stole that from Little Rascals, though, okay. um, as the Simpsons have been known to do. Yes, um, but but then like they do it so well that people think that they created it. Yes, exactly. Yes, but uh, it was the No Homers Club, is what my joke was trying to reference. I've probably um, seen fewer than ten episodes of The Simpsons. Well, that's a problem. Um, that, well, see, you know, they're on like literally the 400th episode now, I think, and I've probably seen the first like 120 episodes like 20 times each that's how much i watched it growing up but then like beginning in like 2002 or three i stopped watching the new episode so i haven't seen like a new simpsons episode basically for like 15 years right but i watched like the first 10 seasons of it like super there's my question to you this time pat um how many shows and if any come to mind you can say them have you seen every single episode of um, not very many. I'm not much of like, uh, I'm not a TV binger really. I don't know. Six or seven. Do That's probably low. Mind? I've seen every game of Thrones. Okay. Yes. Um, I've seen every Seinfeld. I'm sure I've seen really? every. See, I think I've yeah. seen fewer than five episodes of Seinfeld. 
We don't have that much of a generation gap between well, us. <laughs> honestly, okay, and I've told people at work about this. I don't like list. I don't watch comedic television, and maybe that translates to my humor. Who knows? <laughs> but it's not something that I seek out. Is comedic television like if I want comedy, I'll listen to a podcast. I'll watch like a YouTube video or stand up or something. I really don't watch comedic television. I don't really watch television. Period, except for sports which i watch non-stop so that's like my television yeah basically um i've seen like every silicon valley but that's only like 40 episodes or whatever i've probably seen more shows than i think but i'm not like um one of those guys on twitter or whatever like always like searching for like a new netflix recommendation right or whatever so, okay i think that's good enough uh let's you know talk about football because that's what we do here and we have the championship games this weekend uh, the Sunday, 3.05 Eastern. I got that right this time. It is yes. the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to the New England, Boston, Boston, Foxborough Patriots. It was funny. In one Madden, I think it was like one of the first ones for uh, in 64. 64, it said Foxborough. And I was like, oh, yeah. it's this team. Do you remember that? Because it, yeah, it, was, yeah, they, it was the Patriots Packers year. And like those were the auto select yeah. teams. And I was like, Foxborough? What is this? They had the NFL PA license, but they didn't get the NFL license for some reason. So they had all the players. But yeah, Madden NFL 64, the first Madden they came out for 64, featured Foxborough. And they had all the real players, but for whatever reason did not spring. Can you imagine an NFL game or a Madden game not having the NFL license? (laughs) In my dream, because that means another provider or company would create football games. That's true. Smash the Monopoly. (laughs) By the way, have you gone back and seen like old football video games? They look so bad, so bad. And yeah, they used I used to think that they, they were NFL incredible. 64. Yeah, Madden. I mean, well, remember, like everyone thought NFL 2K graphics. That was like, oh yeah, that was like that was like a jump into like the next like level, basically. Right. I could do like, and people's minds were blown. And now they probably look like these like weird Garbage. like gum, Gumby Stretch Armstrong thing. I remember they always looked really long. On, on NFL 2K, right? Like their their model had like the players to be extremely long, and then they turned into like really curve. rounded on Xbox and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I don't even think they look good now. But who am I to say? It's not like yeah, they look good. Eh, I mean, what I have an issue with is like a lot of the body shapes look exactly the same. Like guys don't have longer arms, and and I was always the type Pat that would spend hours and hours and hours making sure each guy like had their own. Like correct gear and face mask and so, so you, what you're saying is you want Madden to be full Orwellian basically. Yes, like, I mean <laughs> I, I was so excited for NFL head coach and then it was a complete disaster, complete disaster. Um, I was okay. on NCA. Pat, we have to talk about could, like, football. Download all. We have to talk about football. We have to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, Jacksonville at New England, three o five Eastern. We saw obviously both these teams win last weekend. New England somehow had a much easier walk to this spot than any of the other three teams did. Uh, Jacksonville, again, are underdogs, but, Pat, they have a lot of uh, talent on their team in areas that can give many other teams and opponents questions and issues, and I think that same could happen here with the Patriots. Yeah, you know, we all know the meme about beating Tom Brady is got to have a ferocious pass rush as if that's unique to Tom Brady. Um, that's usually be bad for any quarterback. 
but I mean, there's pretty much no question, especially in the playoffs, you're not going to spring an upset of the New England Patriots unless you have a ferocious pass rush. And especially, you know, one where you don't have to rely on like incessant blitzing and uh, the, the Jaguars have that. They can generate pressure with their front four. Uh, Rich Samini, ESPN New York, uh, Rich Samini had some good stats today where, uh, you know, the Jags were second in the league in sacks with 55, but they were dead last in blitz rate at only 18%. So, you know, they can, they've got like the main, they've got like the, the main plank of the upset Tom Brady formula right there where they can generate pressure with their front four and not have to, you know, send extra guys, leave vulnerabilities in the middle of the field uh, to create pressure. And Samini so, so also had a stat where uh, Tom Brady's only ever lost three times at home in the playoffs, um, twice to the Ravens and once that year to the Jets in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. And those three upsets, the combined blitz rate for those three teams was only 18%. So they were getting home with their front four. And, uh, and Jacksonville kind of like does what they do, you know, like they run their defense and they expect their talent to win out. It's like the Falcons. It's like the Seahawks in that manner in a lot of ways. Right. And they certainly invested and built to me the most talented defense in the NFL on paper easily. Um, yeah, it was like it's like the Seahawks. It was like the Rex Ryan Jets, like the old Bucks teams. Right. Yeah, where they kind of they trust their 11 guys to do their job. Isn't that ironic? Uh, the Patriots do your job. I, that might not be ironic. So to me, um, it's kind of clear what the Patriots want to do offensively, what the Jaguars want to do defensively. I'm not sure how much we need to get into that, right? Because the offensively, the Patriots put a lot on Tom Brady's shoulders, uh, run the football very well with Deion Lewis. Who knows if Rex Burkhead plays this game? And then again, we just covered defensively. To me, Pat, What's more interesting is what happens when the football is switched to the other side, right? With the Jaguars on offense, with the Patriots on defense. I'll start with this. Are you comfortable with where the Patriots defense is now compared to where they were at the beginning of the season? Because at the beginning of the season and for weeks and weeks and weeks, they look like one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I am. I mean, maybe their improvement was a little oversold, but I think they're kind of to the definite, like a very comfortable, like bend but don't break defense. And I feel like one of the really fascinating things about the game this week is I don't think there's like any way. I mean, the Steelers, they scored 42 points technically, but while the game was like in within doubt, they scored 35. And I don't think there's any way the Patriots are going to score 35 points this weekend. Right. But I mean, is there any way the Jags are going to score 20 points? You know, I, I, it's weird. I like, I like how you think here because this is kind of a question where I was going with. So keep going. No, it's just weird because like, I feel like in some ways, even though the Patriots offense is better than the Steelers offense. And, uh, it's just, I feel like the, like really losing my train of thought here. I don't know why, but I feel like the, uh, the 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 Jaguars are a worse matchup for the Patriots than they were for the Steelers because the Steelers, you know, they have these like legitimately elite playmakers where they can like beat any scheme. You know, Ben Roethlisberger still loves to challenge down the field. And he has guys down the field, you know, who like just con- consistently win downfield and make the big plays downfield. And I feel like the Patriots, you know, don't really have that still. I mean, Brandon Cooks can do it occasionally, but he's not like Antonio Brown where you're just going to keep throwing it up to him downfield. And Gronk's kind of a, a different matter there. I mean, he's a, a different kind of downfield threat, but is a downfield threat. But I, I feel like, I feel like the, the Patriots can't beat – even though I think the Patriots offense, I would probably take the Patriots offense over the Steelers offense like for the 16-game season. I feel like in this like one-game scenario in the playoffs, I think the uh, the – 
the Steelers were a tougher matchup for the Jaguars um, than the Patriots will be. But I feel like on offense, even though the Steelers probably had more defensive talent than the Patriots, I feel like the Patriots defense is a worse matchup for the Jaguars because, I mean, you got Bill Belichick, you know, scheming against Blake Bortles, and I just don't see how Blake Bortles can possibly win that matchup. Yeah, and we kind of have to talk about the Jaguars game last week because I think there were a lot of takeaways from there, not so much from the Patriots because we all were pretty sure that we were going to beat the Titans. But from the Jaguars' end, right, you mentioned it, on defense against the Steelers, they gave up two long touchdown throws. I believe both were on fourth down, or one was like right before the half and another one was on fourth down. And like that could go here or there, right? The scoreboard would be drastically different if one or two of those fell incomplete. So to me, the scoreboard didn't necessarily dictate – how well the Jaguars played in that game. But then offensively, to me, Pat, they didn't put up as many points again as the scoreboard indicated because of, one, the Telvin Smith fumble return for a touchdown, and, two, the Miles Jack interception inside the 20-yard line, and then the next play was just a Leonard Fournette touchdown run, right? So setting up scoring drives, scoring plays like that is difficult but, Pat, it's what the Jaguars have done all season long. But there's a difference in forcing Big Ben to make a mistake and forcing Tom Brady yes. to make a mistake. So yeah. it all comes down to if they can have those two mistakes that end in scores and force those with New England and Tom Brady. And that's a much bigger question than it was last week. Yeah, I mean, the Jaguars, I mean, do they have, would we say, do they have any chance to win if they don't force tur- two turnovers? Um, and like you said, it's like it's one thing to force a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, who's always going to like take those shots, be super aggressive downfield and force him into those turnovers. But like, how do you how do you do that against Tom? It's not like Tom Brady never throws an interception, but it's pretty darn rare. And yeah, I don't know if, if you told me today the Jaguars if you told me right now for sure the Jaguars were going to force two turnovers, even if you said they didn't necessarily result in scores, I'd probably put their chances of winning the game like 40-45%. Um, but that's going to be a very, very tall task to force two turnovers against Tom Brady. Can we talk about Blake Bortles? Um, we can. Uh, he's got to do what he did last week. He's got to have to. He's going to have to hit some. But even last week, Pat, like he didn't really do anything. Like he made he, a, he made three the throws. Half, he made three he hit, throws. He did, but that was enough. And I mean, Correct. that's not usually be enough. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's they're not gonna. Yeah, I say again, they're probably not gonna have a chance unless. And the, the Patriots, uh, I said they're kind of a bend but don't break. But Malcolm Butler, you know, he'll occasionally break, and they they could hit. They're gonna have to. Let's say they need two turnovers, and they need at least two thirty-yard pass plays, Josh. Right. If they're gonna win this game, um, they're gonna have to yeah, get a defense that doesn't usually break to like break at least once or twice on the back end. And a lot of the issues early in the season for the Patriots were just communication errors. And that allowed a number of big plays to go for long gains or touchdowns. Uh, Pat, we talked about this in the newsroom. uh, This, I think it was today or yesterday. Anyways, my question to you is this, let's say Blake Bortles win. Okay. Let's say Blake Bortles loses this game. Okay. Is he the quarterback of the Jaguars next season? I'd say even if they win, this is going to be kind of a mercenary type. Doug Marone, you know, it doesn't strike me as like, Mr. We're going to stick with this guy forever. I mean, Tom Coughlin is kind of like that, but I mean, Tom Coughlin is not getting any younger. And I feel like even maybe if they won, sprung the upset Sunday 
And maybe, maybe even they won the Super Bowl. I mean, really? I, I don't know if they would officially lock themselves. I mean, how could they? Like, truly, how, I mean, they're seeing the oh, same no, thing. Oh, no, trust me. From, from this angle and this seat, I would have uh, questions about it. But I'm trying to get in their brain. And, like, how often do we see? I mean, have we ever seen an NFL team do that? No. I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, I'll put it at 80 90% chance they stick with Blake Bortles. But let's say if they lose Sunday – I would say maybe only a 35% chance they stick with Blake Bortles. And just because, yeah, how I mean, really, I mean, you know, again, they're, they're, I, I feel like they're probably to the point where, like, if an obvious solution does not present itself, they'll roll with him every year, like the Jets did with Mark Sanchez a few times. But, yeah, yeah, but I don't think they'll be shy about if they think there's a way they can do it without, like, blowing up their whole formula, that I don't think they'll be shy about trying to upgrade Blake Bortles. Yeah, nineteen million dollars. Because it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be like this. Like for them, like how, like uh, doesn't have to be so hard. I mean, not not that, not that their playoff run has been that hard. So I mean, the like the Bills game didn't have to be that hard. I mean, they could have just just wiped the Bills off the map if they had a, a legitimate quarterback, right. but they didn't. Correct. So yeah. I mean, again, you don't have to convince me that Blake Bortles is not the answer. I'm just yeah. trying to look at it from a team's perspective. That is it is in the AFC question. championship, you know, like we don't yeah. ask ourselves this question ever. And it's, it's, it's just with how NFL teams work. I'm not sure if they can move on, you know, uh, but I could be totally wrong. And if I'm wrong, then I think it's the correct answer, but it's, 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 and it's back to this conversation around Bortles right now where like he was so bad and everyone talks about how bad he was. Then now when he's like approaching adequate, in some areas, like not ruining games, not completely <laughs> halting the momentum of the passing offense, that there's some positivity around there. I'm not sure if there should be any positivity around him, honestly, Pat. I think there should no. just be like zero conversation about him because really he's kind of that piece in the offense where he just is, he's just a, a, a spoke in the wheel, if that's the right uh, use of that term. Like he, he's not carrying the offense at all in any way. And he's just no. he's just adequate at best. He he carried the offense with his legs against the Bills, I guess. Uh, crazy leg Bortles um, in that game. But I, I agree with your earlier point. It would be based on the way NFL teams have traditionally operated. Like, like I said, we saw the Jets bring uh, Mark Sanchez back like year after year. So like if you're going by NFL history, it would be pretty rare. Even if like the Jags got blown out on Sunday, recent history would suggest they would probably stick with Blake Bortles, but. It's not like they've been tossing bouquets this way. I mean, you don't have like you haven't had like press conferences where like Tom Coughlin is like you know, stumping for Blake Bortles or Doug Marone like you know, like taking up like a fiery defense of his quarterback or whatever like we often see in these situations. I feel like they've just been kind of um, kind of quietly like n- not giving him a vote of confidence, but like not also uh, they've basically been saying nothing on him. I feel like they're just kind of like l- letting his play speak for itself. I think now's the time to have this conversation, too, uh, because I've heard this topic thrown out recently of, well, the NFL landscape is shifting. Now they're showing you that teams don't have to have a quarterback in order to reach, you know, the final four of the NFL. Pat, what I would say to that is, one, the Jaguars are a bit of a special case just because of how talented they were and how bad they were for years and years and years, but stuck with that general manager. And we've seen that that doesn't happen very often. And two, it's not really the case with the Eagles, Pat. I mean, no, they no. would not be here without Carson Wentz, right? Like no. th- this is just, and, and 
three, if I can say it, a major factor in that is Andrew Luck not playing this season, Deshaun Watson getting hurt, Aaron Rodgers missing a significant portion of the year. Like, top, top, top quarterbacks didn't have a chance to help their teams elevate them to this point. And so it's allowing possibly differently built organizations and teams get to this point when in other years it really hasn't happened. Yeah, I, w- I would say of almost anything, I, w- I would say this Final Four to me almost like confirms the conventional wisdom. Or like the only way you're going to get this far without a quarterback is if you have an elite defense and elite running game, which the Eagles had an elite running game most of the year, at least yardage wise. Uh, they obviously had an elite defense. The Vikings had an elite defense, way above average running game. And yeah, the Jaguars, you know, the running game did kind of sputter in the second half of the season, but the same thing. We're like, I, yeah, I don't feel like they're upending what we, I think they're just basically confirming like for them to get here without a quarterback, like everything else had to go right, basically. And it did go right. But let's Except say for, Jacksonville does. Carson Wentz tearing up his knee. Let, let's say Jacksonville does upset the Patriots and then we get Jacksonville versus either one of the two NFC teams. I guarantee you that's going to be like one of the biggest topics of conversation throughout the it two will weeks be. heading into the Super Bowl. And I, I just it think it's be. incorrect. Yeah, I would say it will be one of the biggest topics of conversation. And then the the actual NFL will operate exactly as it always has this offseason. And, and like every team will desperately pursue quarterbacks. People only try to copy the blueprint if there's not an obvious way right. for them to upgrade a quarterback. Yeah, I don't think it's going to like change. Yeah, it's uh, just like, you know, just copy exactly what the Jaguars did, right? Like spend <laughs> the number three overall pick on a quarterback who's bad, then suck for multiple seasons and allow Jalen Ramsey to fall to you at number five, have $100 million in cap space, and sign Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye, Barry Church, to Sean Gibson, so on and so forth, right? Yeah, just, you know, mirror that. Copy the that. Browns, the Browns will be like 66% <laughs> of the way there if they draft uh, Josh Allen. There we and, go. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've already got the sucked for a few years part out of the way, and they've got a lot of cap space. So. Okay, let's go to the NFC game. Uh, really, really interesting one, obviously. The Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles, 640 Eastern, again on Sunday Pat, what can you take away from both teams' Sunday performances that they can use to their advantage in this one? Let's start off with the road team in the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I mean, they're going to have an advantage at quarterback, and they have kind of, to me, the way this, the way I view this game is that basically everything the Eagles, without Carson Wentz, basically everything the Eagles can do, the Vikings can do slightly better. Uh, you know, the Eagles are locked into having this game manager type. And, uh, I mean, game manager is polite for Nick Foles. And so, like, they have kind of like a sub-game manager quarterback. The Vikings have, like, a textbook, like, game manager quarterback where he's, you know, not terrible. Uh, he's not going to really ever win you the game by himself. But he can mostly avoid mistakes. He uncorked. He, he, was, he was known for mistakes in the past uncorked a pretty ugly one against the Saints. But Case Keenum has basically been a flawless game manager this year. Uh, we know the Eagles have an elite defense, but I'd say the Vikings' defense is slightly better. Uh, the Eagles' running game was probably better most of the year, but started to sputter down the stretch. I'd say the Vikings have an edge even in the running game right now. And, yeah, that's the way I look at this game. Where if, if, if it was in uh, Minnesota, I would give the Eagles you know, no chance. At home, probably 35%, 40% chance. But I just think the Vikings – there's just there's to me there's no area where the eagles have the obvious strength like every one of their strengths i feel like is slightly trumped by minnesota in the same department 
How many points did the Eagles put up last week? Wasn't like fifteen to win the game? Something. Like I that? might. I'm gonna. Yeah, it was fifteen to ten. And I honestly, I might predict a fifteen to ten uh, really? Vikings victory this week. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be. I think. I'd be. I wouldn't be shocked to see the winning team have fewer than twenty points. Yeah, like I, I didn't really give the Eagles a, a chance last week necessarily, but I think one, the Falcons just played horribly, and yeah, we always underestimate the Falcon sadness factor. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a positive person usually, right? As you hear from my previous rants. You mentioned, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Blake Bortles here with Nick Foles. Like, again, he made a handful of throws that allow him to have the adequate label. You could win with him, right? Um, Many of those seem to be on RPOs and things of that sort, intermediate routes. But when it comes to it, where we have, you get in a situation where a quarterback has to make a throw to elevate his team or make a play to elevate his team. You and I would easily, easily take Case Keenum that situation. And he showed it at multiple points this season. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure exactly what else we can say. Like, I, I think the Vikings receivers might be the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. It's amazing what they've been able to do uh, when losing Dalvin Cook. Like, imagine this team with Dalvin Cook on it as well. Uh, but meanwhile, Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray have really, really played at a high level. And then with Nick Foles, it's the Eagles not getting in third and seven-plus situations, right? Because it's a chore, and I said in this podcast last week, it's it's a tall task to convert in those situations. And Carson Wentz was doing it at an unreal rate. But I think anyone yeah. would I mean, believe for, that I Nick feel like, Foles could do yeah. that. For the Eagles to have like a – to be for things to like unfold positively for the Eagles, they're going to have to um, make, make basically make case Keenum look like Texans case Keenum, have him running for his life, like devour the play action. Uh, just force him. Case Keenum will make, he'll, he'll make mistakes. If there's like two blitzers closing in on him, that's I mean, again, that's you can say about every quarterback, but um, case Keenum's like, uh, overall, like a uh, lesser talent is makes it an even bigger liability when he's, you know, throwing the ball away or whatever. So without like a ferocious day from the Eagles front seven, it's just very hard to see their path to victory. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Should we do picks, Pat? Like, is that really fair? original, original analysis there? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what else you can say about this game necessarily. Like we saw what both teams were last week and somehow the Vikings were able to keep up with perhaps the most higher powered offense other than the Rams in the NFL. I will say I'm more confident in the Vikings than I am in the Patriots, which Ooh, could be me too. I, I will tell you this Jacksonville Twitter and the one and only Eric Stoner is extremely confident in his Jaguars this weekend. The, the, the Jaguars defense to me is just so much like that Jets defense that beat the Patriots in the divisional round that one year. I think, Maybe all the way back in 2010, the Patriots were 14 and two, but there's just a lot of similarities between this Jags teams and those Rex Ryan's team teams, and you know, front four. I mean, very similar to those Tom Coughlin front fours that won both Super Bowls against the Patriots. And I feel like the Jags, the Jags have been a pretty well coached team too. I mean, down the stretch, maybe they didn't adjust as much as they could to other teams, kind of. Yeah, they you know, were allowing more points in December. Teams kind of like relentlessly 
peppering them in the middle of the field. I will say, I think the Patriots, their game plan will be very similar to what they did last week. I think we'll see like a ton, absolute ton of like running back targets. And uh, yeah, those are, I think I've probably shared more than enough thoughts on the Jaguars and Patriots. So basically we're, we're expecting, predicting possibly two turnovers by Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm not going to predict that. If Jacksonville wins, still, I will, that's what happens. To, to be clear, I, uh, my official pick, is the Patriots, okay. but yeah, I do. If if like I was like putting money on the line, I would be more confident in my Vikings pick than in my Patriots pick. Yeah, for some reason, man, I just can't picture the Eagles winning. And and maybe I'll just be incorrect. I thought the same thing last week, and if I'm incorrect, that's perfectly fine out there. I will say it. But I just think the Vikings are so balanced and can even make plays when they have to, offensively and defensively, that they're a very very balanced team. Possibly the yeah. most balanced team left in this in this final four. It is to me. It really is just crazy how I mean, the Eagles have a pretty good receiver duo. The Vikings like clearly have a better receiver duo. The Eagles have a have had a pretty good running game. I'd say the Vikings have a better running game at this point. So they have the advantage of quarterback. The Eagles have a great defense. The Vikings just have a slightly better defense. I just yeah. with without Carson Wentz, I just don't. The see only it way the only way the Eagles win is that the Vikings offensive line allows like six seven eight sacks, right? Yeah. They've, yeah, they've yeah, had yeah. to reshuffle yeah. some stuff in the Eagles defensive line is outstanding. So unless the Vikings offensive line gets absolutely destroyed, which is a possibility, I, I certainly see them winning this game. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't say, I would say maybe 33% chance the Eagles win because I mean, anytime you have a great defense playing at home, it's not like there's, so that probably gives you a one in three chance right off the bat. But I just think, yeah, it's so we up. did this. We did this with the Jaguars. Well, Case Keenum be the quarterback for the Vikings next year? I don't know because even he played uh, much much better than Blake Bortles this year, and they like basically openly said we're not going to commit to Case Keenum. Yeah. So uh, I don't think they're going to franchise tag him. I don't think you could possibly commit twenty four million dollars or whatever to Case Keenum. So I'd say I give it a sixty five percent chance as long as they can get him to agree. Case Keenum might be just looking for. Like uh, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type deal from the Jets, maybe get like and twelve or thirteen million in his career that like yeah. has not been consistent at all. Exactly, yeah. But I mean, like kind of a deal, like get twelve to thirteen million guaranteed for the season. Uh, maybe if he's lucky, get a little guaranteed money in twenty twenty to make it make it hurt for the Vikings to cut him next off season. But yeah, I I I guess he's the favorite to be the starter, but I I definitely do not think the Vikings have locked themselves into Case Keenum. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess that does it for us. By the way, during Super Bowl week, I know that's a while away and we'll have some podcasts before then, uh, I will be doing a lot of digital video. I'll be at the Super Bowl site in Minneapolis, so be sure to check some of that out. Uh, we've got some fun things planned. Um, I'll just say that. So stay tuned. Be sure to support it, uh, and we appreciate it, and support this podcast by subscribing, rating, reviewing, following Pat on Twitter because he's pretty cool. And I guess... See you all after Senior Bowl week, maybe during. Maybe I'll record a podcast with Ray. But if not, I'll talk to you all soon. See ya.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.